Shalom and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman, Associate Director of Policy and Communications, recording from New York. And I'm Eli Koaz, Communications Director, recording from Tel Aviv. And we have some updates from the Israeli political world to bring you. It's been a pretty slow campaign season as we approach the mid-September elections for Israel's Knesset, the second elections that they'll be having in 2019. But we've had some developments over the course of the last week some controversies, some things starting to heat up in terms of mergers because we're approaching the deadline for final party registration, which is August 1st. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's been uh, pretty uneventful thus far in terms of mergers. There's been a lot of talk. We obviously had Ehud Barak, former prime minister, uh, announce his political uh, return. Um, But now we have our uh, our first major merger, and I think it's uh, something that not many people expected, because once Barack joined politics, there was uh, a lot of conversation about a a big merger between three parties on uh, the Israeli left, um, Meretz, Labor, and Barack's new party. Uh, what's the translation? Israel Demo- Democratic Party for Israel? Israel Democratic Party, which apparently his advisors were against having that be the official English name of it, probably for the American Association and the way that Bibi has played off Israel as a partisan issue and associating himself with the American Republican Party, but that's a tangent. Um, so that merger is not likely to happen because uh, the news broke uh, this evening uh, in Israel that Orly Levy, she will be joining Labor Party and Amir Peretz. So yeah, Orly Levy, uh, who ran in uh, the April elections uh, with the Gesher Party, uh, failed to cross the the, the threshold, the 3.25% threshold. She is the daughter of David Levy, who was Israel's foreign minister, a longtime, a prominent Likud member of Knesset. Um, But interestingly, David Levy also broke, he broke off from the Likud and he ran with Ehud Barak and the Labor Party in 1999. So here we have an interesting, it's not really a deja vu, but it's kind of... So what you're saying is it runs in the family. Yeah, uh, (laughs) one could say, and those were obviously the elections where Barak defeated uh, Netanyahu uh, in 1999 under the One Israel Israel Echat ticket. And so uh, tonight uh, they had a they had a press conference. Orly Levy and uh, Amir Parents announcing uh, this agreement. Orly Levy will uh, be the number two on on the list of this party, which will not uh, retain the name of Labor, or at least it won't just be just be Labor. It could be Avodah uh, Gesher, like Labor Gesher. Um, or or something else, I think uh, Avodah Gesher is pro- a likely uh, is a likely name. Uh, Orly Levy will also have. Uh, how about how about Bridge to Nowhere? Bridge to Nowhere. Well, we we'll get into that in a bit. <laughs> Orly Levy will also have uh, uh, two other. I think it's confirmed to be two other uh, slots in the top ten of the party, um, and also uh, the letters. Uh, on the party, uh, on the actual uh, the ballot, uh, which are usually um, throughout the Labour Party's history have been emet, um, will also be changed to involve Gesher's uh, 
part, I guess. Um, so Orly Levy got a lot, but I mean, this is a clear indication uh, that Amir Peretz is going after uh, right-wing voters. I would call them, I mean, we call them soft-right voters, voters that have voted Likud in the past. This marks a, a shift in what we thought was going to be the direction for labor in this election. Like you mentioned before, the conventional wisdom out of the gate once the new elections were called, was that there would be a merger between Labor and Meretz, or Labor and Meretz and Barack's Israel Democratic Party, or, or some other combination thereof. Um, this seems to be, you could say, a return to what was Labor's strategy before the last election, which a lot of people felt had failed. But Amir Peretz, um, who's now the Labor Party leader, has been the Labor Party leader before. And in 2006, he had a lot of success in the uh, periphery towns, the uh, development towns, poorer, traditionally more right wing, um, and you know, bringing in Orly Levy, uh, who is Moroccan, and, and Amir Peretz is Moroccan. You know, this this would seem to be trying to shed Labor's image as the Ashkenazi elite party and appeal more to people in the periphery. Exactly. I mean, Amir Peretz. Uh, he was obviously he was he was mayor of Sterod. He lived. I think he lives in. Uh, I don't know if he still lives there, but I know that he he he, he lived in the in the south. Um, he, in you mentioned two thousand six, uh, that was an election where Ehud Olmert uh, won and uh, with Kadima and Labor finished uh, in second, and that was uh, one of the Likud's uh, worst uh, results uh, under Netanyahu. Um, I think he he received either ten or eleven seats, um, but in that election. Uh, Labor won in cities like Kiryat Shmona, uh, which is, if you looked in the elections in April, almost 50% Likud. Um, so, I mean, I think Israel has obviously changed since then. But it's a clear indication that Amir Peretz was kind of... There were these two options, either to like try to unite the base um, or to try to uh, bring in new crowds. And unlike the situation with Avi Gabay, um, Amir Peretz can say that he actually he did it um, in the past. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out um, because um, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm of the opinion that this is probably a good decision, but only time will tell um, because to really change the pol political map in Israel, you have to move voters from the respective, uh, between the respective blocks. And this move definitely increases the chances of that. You could say that it could put parties such as Meretz and Barak's party under threat of not crossing the threshold. But in terms of bringing votes over from the center, center-right area, um, this will help. Orly Levy, uh, she finished with less than 100,000 votes, I believe, but uh, at, at a t uh, for, for a good amount of time, she was polling... Uh, uh, well over the threshold. It was a tough competition, and there were also a lot of people who were very undecided about how they were supposed to vote because the sudden emergence of Kahol Avan uh, gave people a large opposition party for the first time in basically in, in 10 years, more than 10 years, to see a party that had the prospect of finishing with such a large showing. So people seemed pretty stuck as to whether they were supposed to vote for the big party or vote for these smaller parties. 
I'm going to take a little more of a cautious appraisal. And with all due respect, Eli, your track record with labor leaders. Leader, 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 with one labor leader. One one leader. Okay, well, you, you know. used the word, uh, the the plural. And I was not the only one that was an Ava, uh, Avigabai optimist for a hot second. I was not the only one. I, w- I would call you, I would say you were more than an optimist, but we don't have to get stuck on that. That's for another podcast. But I think that. Like you said, I think, I think it was a good point. Israel has changed since 2006. Netanyahu was kind of at the nadir of his political career. He was at a really low point. So there wasn't this same identification with Netanyahu. I, I think that there's sort of a sense of loyalty that these right-wing and even what you would describe as soft-right voters feel for Netanyahu and the way people kind of just vote for him by default and, and see there as being no other option. I don't think that existed in 2006. That being said, I think what Peretz is going for him that Avi Gabai didn't, going for what would superficially seem like the same strategy of trying to appeal to voters from the right, is that Amir Peretz is a real labor person. You know, he, he he's he's been with the Labour Party. Uh, he's kind of a, a dyed-in-the-wool socialist or social democrat. I mean, he did leave to Kadima for a... or to Hatnua, sorry, to join Zipalivni for, for a hot second. Who hasn't left Labour for, for a couple minutes? No. But my, my point is that is that his political home is Labour. Yeah, he's a true Labour, he's the Druid guy. Right, as opposed to Avi Gabai, who, who is, who is uh, you know, this businessman, comes from the outside, coming from Kulanu, did not grow up in a, a Labour environment, was not, didn't come of political age in Labour. And that's not to say that people's uh, opinions can't change or that people's politics can't shift. And like you said, the victory of the center and the left depends on the ability to shift people from where they are. But I think that there was always some skepticism and it was well-placed about Avi Gabai because he was perceived as being an outsider ideologically. And I don't think you can say the same about Peretz. So I don't want to say that it's going to work, but he certainly has more going for him than Avi Gabai did. For sure. And I mean, I'll I'll put. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the results from the April elections, and in uh, in Sterot, the Labour Party, if there was, a, didn't even cross the electoral threshold, just getting 393 votes. I um, am fairly confident that in cities like like this, you'll see much better performances from Labour. I don't know if it will be enough to like change anything on the political map, but will definitely uh, strengthen. Uh, the, the party in in these parts. It's, it's interesting, by the way, thinking about Sterot, comparing it now to 2006. 2006 was before, not before there were any rockets at all, but before you had these massive barrages that now come out of Gaza since the Hamas takeover. And also the Iron Dome, which protects Sterot and all of Israel's south and actually Israel's center, was a Amir Peretz initiative as... Uh, during his time as a defense minister. I'm just saying is that the outlook from those areas has probably changed, even even as you mentioned, the existence of the Iron Dome and Amir Peretz's work to get that up and running. The, what this, this merger, as you hinted at earlier, also creates is an environment in which labor and merits can't merge, which had been the working assumption up until now. 
because if labor's policy is to look to the right or to wink at the right, uh, that clashes with merits, which is unapologetically leftist. And they have already indicated that this direction and this merger with Gesher and Orly Levy means that merits is not going to, to run on a joint list with labor. I think that this squares interestingly with another development which is that the the joint list, the four Arab parties, have had trouble coming together, and right now it doesn't look like they're going to merge. When they came out of the last election, where they ran on two tickets, where there, there were Hadash and Tal and Balad and the United Arab List running as the two, those two separate tickets as opposed to one ticket of four, and they had their really bad finish, only 49% of Arab voters came out. They lost seats collectively between the two of them. The assumption coming out of that was that to fix that, they needed to come back together, merge, recreate the joint list. But they haven't been able to do that. They're fighting over the placement of seats, I think, at 12 and 14 on the list. Uh, who's going to get the 12th and 14th seat, which are probably seats that the joint list wouldn't win anyways. And that kind of reinforces the image of the joint list among Arab voters as being superficial and petty and self-interested. And right now it seems like it's Balad really holding them back. That's really making us think about these 12th and 14th seats. I think it would be interesting to see if the joint list doesn't come together by the August 1st deadline. And there's a reconciliation committee overseeing the recreation of the joint list, and they announced that they are now preparing for an eventuality in which the joint list doesn't come back, if there is some sort of exploration of a partnership between Meretz and Khadash. Because before they moved to recreate the joint list, Ayman Oda, the head of Khadash, said that they would be interested potentially in working with Meretz, but they were going to go for recreating the joint list first. That was their first priority, Meretz second. I think it's kind of time to let Balad pass from the political scene. And I don't think the joint list necessarily adds something to Arab politics in Israel. I mean, if, if that was the solution, then you would see the joint list getting a bunch more seats than the Arab parties did in the last election. But most polls have them at about the same. Some even show them losing seats, even if they're running as one ticket. Yeah, no. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we know that Meretz, uh, they passed the threshold because of their uh, the Arab support they got in the last election. Um, it will be interesting to see how uh, that translates into September elections, especially if uh, uh, the Arab parties are not able to run on a joint list. Um, I expect uh, Meretz will look to, to grow uh, in Arab uh, in in the different Arab communities. Um, and that's something that will be interesting to follow. And obviously, uh, the other question is, what does uh, Ehud Barak's party do and what do Meretz uh, do? Because uh, they're not going to be joining up with labor. And they're both going to be having a challenging time uh, crossing the 3.25% threshold. Ehud Barak's party has been on the cusp in the polls since he announced the forming of his party. Um, he's been, uh, in some, he's been up as high as six seats, in others, he's been below the threshold. And I think merits have been roughly in the same area. Um, the smart, the safe bet would be for them to unite. Um, also, I mean, uh, prominent people from merits, in particular, Avi Buskila, uh, who ran for merits leadership. Previously, um, he joined Ehud Barak's party. There seems to be a lot of common ground. Um, 
and I think it becomes uh, a likely uh, scenario, which would obviously make uh, the Israeli uh, left a pretty crowded place, and I'm sure uh, the campaign... Those two scenarios that you put forward, Eli, seem to be kind of either or. If Meretz were to merge with Barack's Israel Democratic Party, which seems like the more likely option, or if Meretz were to pursue their strategy from the last election, trying to solicit votes from the Arab community, because there is not a lot of trust and not a lot of appreciation for Ehud Barak among Israeli Arabs. He kind of went back on a, a commitment to work with the Arab parties in 1999. The uh, shooting of 13 Israeli Arab demonstrators in October 2000 occurred under his watch when he was prime minister and led to the lowest Israeli Arab turnout in a national election ever, 18% of eligible Israeli Arab voters. So, you know, that that's not going to inspire a lot of love uh, from the Arab community for merits if they go for Ehud Barak and would kind of undo some of the progress that they made in the last election, getting a quarter of the Arab vote, as you mentioned. But on the flip side, like you said, it's kind of the safe option for the two of them to merge because it'll probably guarantee that they'll pass the threshold. They might not be a big force in the Knesset. Exactly. And with that, I mean, again, what, well, it's interesting to see whether something that happened uh, 20, 20 years ago stays fresh in the minds of many. I mean, many or even most of uh, uh, of uh, Israeli Arab voters um, were probably not eligible to vote in that that uh, two thousand uh, election. I wouldn't underestimate it, just because voter turnout among. Israeli Arabs, even when the joint list first ran in 2015. And there was a lot of excitement around that, the idea of this one big Arab bloc. It was the third largest list in the Knesset when the dust settled after 2015. Um, even in that situation, has never fully recovered to the levels that it was at before 2000, if, if I'm remembering correctly. I think in, in, I think in 1999, it was like 75% turnout, and it's never gotten quite back up to that since then. I think it was in the 60s in 2015. And so I think that the boycott after 2000 for that 2001 election, I think kind of normalized the idea of not participating in the national elections. And, and even if it's not what's at front of mind for people, if it's not the first thing that they're thinking about, the idea of just skipping or sitting out has become more of a standard practice because of that. And it, and it may be years before it really ever ever gets back to where it used to be 20 years ago. So I wouldn't dismiss it just because it was in the distant past. And you're right that a lot of the people who are voting today were not eligible to vote even back then. But Yeah, and also, I mean, uh, th these will be two interesting things to follow. I mean, uh, in particular, uh, if this unity happens between Meretz and, and Barack's party, to look at if there, if Merit still, I mean, or this party maintains any Arab support, and also to see if uh, Amir Peretz and Orly Levy can actually uh, be successful in bringing voters uh, from the right as Amir Peretz was in the past. It will be a good way of judging, uh, or at least uh, uh, to see if if there are if these trends have changed or if. Uh, They've, uh, they've in fact stayed 
the same. And we'll be watching all of those trends as they develop in the coming weeks. Again, the election is September 17th, and another date to watch is August 1st, that final date for registering party slates for the election. So any of the mergers that we discussed, any of the potential partnerships, they're going to have to be finalized within the next two weeks. So yeah, we're looking at we're looking at the uh, what merits and Ehud Barak's party do. We're obviously looking at the Arab parties, and on uh, on the right, we're uh, looking to see what the the further right wing parties uh, do um, from Habayta Yehudi to uh, Moshe Feiglin's Zeut party, uh, Naftali Bennett's New Right party, and obviously uh, Ayala Chaked to see if she finds her way back into. Uh, these elections. And you can follow all those developments on the 120 project, which we should do a little plug for. You can see all of Israel Policy Forum's elections resources on our elections website, which is www.israelpolicyforum.org forward slash elections two. That's the number two. And we'll catch you next time on the next episode of Israel Policy Pod. Thanks for joining us. 